<laughs> Hello, Floyd here. Welcome to my podcast on evangelism. My wife and I, over 15 years in Austria, led many, many people to Christ, and then followed that up with some in Russia and some in the U.S., and uh, I'm doing these podcasts just to share with you what we did and how we did it and the mistakes we made and what we learned along the way, and hopefully it might be of help to you in your witnessing. Uh, now, these podcasts are not random thoughts, however. They build on each other, and so if you jump into the middle of them, you might be confused. In fact, you might even misunderstand some things I'm saying. Over 30 years ago, I took Dr. John Lennox to a Bible study with me in Murek, Austria. Uh, it was a very lively study. About 25 people showed up, and by the end of the evening, 15, 12 people decided they wanted to continue a weekly study. On the way home that night, John told me, he said, you really need to write a book about this. I think others would benefit from what you do and what you don't do. So I did. I wrote the book. It took three years, uh, coming home every evening from Bible studies. We had so many studies going during that time in our lives, we didn't have enough time during the week to have them every week. We had to have them every other week. So I put down what we've done and what we didn't do and what worked and what didn't do and we titled it Evangelism for the Faint-Hearted. It's actually still in print on Amazon. Uh, it has a blue cover. The latest version has a blue cover on it. And my life goal has always been Romans 15, 20. I've always wanted to take the gospel to places that didn't have it. But somewhere down the line, I realized that every generation has those, those kinds of situations, that the gospel grows in one area and dies out in another. And so every generation will have people, locations that haven't heard the gospel in that generation. Uh, so I don't really think we're going to finish the job anytime soon, one way or the other. Jesus is going to come back when he chooses to come back. But I am over 70, and my travel options have diminished quite a bit. So I'm doing this to help others pass the gospel on to other people who themselves have not heard of it. Now, I find it interesting that don't, there don't seem to be a lot of commands in the New Testament ordering believers to evangelize. Yeah, I know, I know. The, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, says, go into all the world, baptizing and teaching. But that's a broader command. That's not just evangelism. The baptizing is lead them to Christ first before you dunk them, and then the teaching. And when you come to Acts 1.8, that just says that the believers will evangelize and take the gospel around the world, which we've done. There's not even a command in that verse. It kind of leaves the impression that if a person has personally experienced the power of Jesus, then a strong command to tell others isn't really necessary. I think the believer really does want to tell other people about Jesus. So it's really all about motivation. And I personally don't see God using guilt as a motivator, but more praising those who do witness. In fact, God told Daniel in Daniel 12, verse 3, those who lead many to righteousness are like stars forever and ever. Well, I want to shine for Jesus, and I want the universe to know what he's done for me. And having led people to Christ, I think that every other activity pales in significance compared to being a part of an unsaved person's journey from the dark side to, li to the light. 
Yeah, I know believers will be fearful in times of persecution if they share their faith. I know that. In fact, even the Apostle Paul was scared to death to witness in Corinth in Acts 18.9. But fear and fearfulness, they're not the same as being ashamed. And Jesus talked about those who were ashamed of him in Mark 8.48. And he talked about some Pharisees in John 12.43 who loved the praise of men more than the praise from God. But I'm not going to judge another person, another believer, for not witnessing more than they do. Motivation. I want to shine. I want to be praised for what I've done for the Lord from Him. I don't want to live under guilt. So it comes down to methods. Why do we witness? Yeah, we just covered that. But how do we witness? Methods. And you know, believers have used different methods in different countries and different centuries and different cultures for over 2,000 years. So, which method is the best? Well, a lot of believers claim one method of evangelism superior to all others. And some believers even claim that, that some methods can actually keep somebody from getting saved. Whoa, whoa, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, stop the truck. Uh, let's talk about God's dependence on his creation. He isn't. God is completely self-sufficient. He needs nothing. <laughs> I think we need to burn it into our brains that God doesn't need believers to build his church. He chooses to use us, and yes, 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 we're glad about that. But folks, Matthew 7, 7 states that if a human being is seeking God, God has actually obligated himself to allow that human being to find God. That's how badly he wants people. And, and God may use natural or supernatural methods to reach out to that person. But God doesn't need anything external from himself to bring people into his kingdom. In fact, when Jesus said, I will build my church, he didn't add that he hoped for the support of the believers or he couldn't pull it off. He didn't say, I and my disciples will build my church. He didn't say, we might build a church. He didn't say, I might get it half done without help. He didn't say, our church. He didn't say, my religion or business. I mean, can, can we comprehend how Jesus is going to finish the job? It's his job, and he's going to finish it. You ever heard anybody say that we have to finish the job or Jesus won't come back until we do? Uh, think about that for a minute. In Isaiah 55, 8 to 11, Isaiah wrote about God. This is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and don't return there without saturating the earth, making it germinate and sprout, providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. And you know what? There are no human conditions listed in that declaration. God really doesn't need us. He chooses to use us, but he will bring people to himself who seek him, with or without help from humans. In John 16, 8, Jesus states that the Holy Spirit will convict people of their sins 
<laughs> have, you, have you ever tried to convict somebody else of their sins? Shame on us. That's not our job, and we'll, we'll get it wrong. We can't read another person's heart. We never have all the facts to properly convict another person of their sins. Okay, okay, yeah, I know. We might observe a believer committing a sin, and then we can address what they did. But we can never convict an unsaved person of their sins because that's a spiritual activity that goes beyond our logical reasoning power. And you know what? If we stop trying to do the Holy Spirit's job of convicting people of their sins, we could spend more time focusing on getting the message of the gospel out to more people. And the Holy Spirit will use our efforts to convict more people of their sins. So, God doesn't need us, but he uses us. Thank you, Lord. And nobody goes to hell because of some defective method. Remember those two points. That means there are no wrong sinful methods. There may be better or worse methods in some situations, but not wrong or sinful. Now, let's talk about friendship evangelism over what I'll call cold evangelism. And believers have promoted friendship evangelism over cold evangelism for, forever. But when you look at the Apostle Paul, he didn't really spend any time making friends with people before starting a conversation about Jesus with them. Now, think about that. In fact, Paul spent all of his friendship time with people who responded positively toward Jesus. So... A wrong conclusion is that we should never try to make friends with people before reaching them with the gospel. Well, but that conclusion overlooks the fact that Paul didn't spend 50 years of his life in one location, in one job, surrounded by the same people, the same set of relatives for the entire life. He wasn't married, he had no kids, and he didn't have to worry about his retirement should he die first, leaving his wife behind with nothing to live on. So we're not really going to do things exactly the way Paul did it. It's not really possible. And during times of persecution, believers stop being open about their beliefs. Guess what? They don't want their relatives to be tortured along with them. Got it. There are other believers who teach that you have to contextualize the gospel or people can't get saved. Well, okay, we'll admit that if the messenger doesn't understand the language of his audience, then there will be difficulty getting the right message into the minds of the audience. But we must never overlook God's promise to allow himself to be found by those who are seeking him, and that God can reach anybody in any era, in any culture, no matter how poorly the message is delivered, because God is capable of doing that. I think sometimes we need to seriously question our own self-importance when we make such wrong statements saying that people can't get saved without my method of contextualization. Yes, 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 contextualization is important if God is going to use the message through the human messenger. Let's just be careful telling God what can and can't happen in the soul of a seeker based on our methods. And you know what? If a person tells you your method is wrong, ask that person to show you their results from their witnessing methods. Be polite. So, there are no wrong sinful methods. In fact, there's really only one wrong method, and that's not verbalizing the message at all, either written or verbal. 
the unsaved have to read or hear the message, or they can't get saved. Did you hear that? It is literally bad, wrong theology to believe that doing good deeds for the unsaved is enough to get them into heaven. We don't incarnate the gospel and share the gospel through our deeds unless we accompany it with words. Otherwise, it's not the gospel. The good deeds are there to make people ask the good deed doer why he or she's so nice, but then the verbal or written message has to follow. Jesus said actually in Mark chapter 1 verse 38 that he came to preach, not just to make the unsaved more comfortable. It's literally impossible to preach the gospel without words in some form. (laughs) The unsaved don't look at a believer's good deeds and get saved. We don't preach the gospel by our actions alone. That is not the preaching of the gospel. Body language doesn't deliver objective truth. The power to change a soul lies in the message of the gospel, not in the actions of the believer. I repeat that. The power to change a soul lies in the message of the gospel, not in the actions of the believer. In fact, in Philippians 1, 12-18, Paul claimed that people in Philippi were able to get saved from hearing the gospel from the unsaved, which kind of means that our pathetic attempts at witnessing do not stop the power of the gospel if we get the words out. So, back to methods. You know, 20 years ago, somebody did a survey in California, and they asked 10,000 believers what context had led them to Jesus and to salvation. Eight categories or contexts surfaced from this survey. So let me ask you some questions. What percentage of the 10,000 people said that they got saved at an evangelistic crusade? Take a guess. Write down the percentage. The answer, half of 1%, 0.5%. Okay, what percentage said they got saved through a church visitation program? 1% to 2%. Okay, well, how many through a special needs program, drug rehab, alcohol rehab? 1% to 2%. Well, how many because they just walked into a church one Sunday and heard a great gospel sermon? Two to three percent. Okay, how many through a church program in the church, like a series of evangelistic sermons geared for the unsaved? Two to three percent. Well, how many through a church Sunday school class? Ooh, four to five percent. We should invite our friends to a good Sunday school morning class. Uh, Well, how about direct contact with the pastor of a church? Five to six percent. Whoa, that's seven categories. There's only one left. Seventy-nine to ninety percent of the people said they got saved through a friend or a relative. Relationships. Our motivation We want to please Jesus. Our methods, they're all good, but one-on-one relationships are the key to leading people to Christ. And I personally think the Apostle Paul understood that when he engaged people with the gospel. Now, I, I know he didn't spend a ton of time getting to know people, but he also didn't treat them like objects to be added to a numbers board. He didn't give them a formula and say, read these words and now I can count you in. 
He simply engaged them wherever they were. In fact, in Acts 17, 17, he said, So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshiped God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Okay, when it comes to witnessing, we got a couple of things we can't do, and we have three things we can do. What can't we do? Our job is not to convict people or drag them kicking and screaming into heaven, nor browbeat them with millions of facts about the existence of God, etc., etc., etc. We can cultivate the soil. Now, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about that in podcasts. And the second thing, we can sow the seed. You will be so surprised at how easy this will become if you stay with me. In fact, in all honesty, the cultivating is actually more difficult to learn than the sowing. Third, we can harvest the crop. We can reap. And honestly, that's the easiest one of all. So stay with me. Here's my call to action. I'll give you three of them. Number one, determine your own motivation for witnessing. I'll give you some advice. Choose God's praise over guilt. You'll feel better about yourself. Number two, don't take on more responsibility for witnessing than God gives you. You can't convict someone and you can't save a soul. And your method is not what saves them. It's the gospel. And number three, you can start thinking about your own set of relationships as you listen to more of these podcasts. Don't be scared. Stay with me. Hope you enjoyed this. <laughs> See you in the next one.